Hello. Hello. Industry. Industry. Hi everybody and welcome back to Industry Tactics. It's Friendly Rich here and I'm delighted to introduce episode number 140. Hard to believe that many interviews. I hope you're enjoying the journey. This is my talk with three-time Juno nominee, 10-time Maple Music Award winner, incredible musician all around, Susie Vinnick. Enjoy. got back this afternoon i was out of town for uh, a show oh yeah in Aurelia from mariposa with betty and the bobs and um amazing yeah it was good we played the mariposa in concert so okay nice so, yes so you're yes. you're you're out there you're doing the thing you're traveling a little bit here and there yeah, yeah. and screaming and screaming. St- streaming. Sometimes I scream, but... <laughs> How are you doing? I'm screaming most of the times. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's good, it's good. I'm well, thanks. It's great to see you. Yeah, you too. I'm thinking the last time I saw you... So, I'm trying to think, that was the show. Yeah, let's that check was... your memory. I'm trying to think, was that, was, was that the night Dominic played? You are good. Susie okay. Vinnick. Sharp memory, keeping useless information <laughs> yeah. in your old brain. Old phone numbers, old phone numbers from when I was a little kid. Yeah, how do you ask me? Ask do you me flush that? Do you flush that brain every now and again to be keeping that kind of nonsense? I do that too. Like I, I would have, I would have told you exactly. It was Dominic Mancuso at the Lula Lounge. I can't remember what month, but I'm. It's terrible. That's it was terrible. probably warm. April. I want to say. It was warmish. Yeah, yeah. Brain is saying was. June, but okay, maybe no. You're. I think you're right. You're right. You're right. You got. Oh, that is sharp. That is a it, that is a nice brain we're dealing with here. Sometimes, sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> let's get let's get into it. Welcome to Industry Tactics. It is a an, a bloody honor to have you on board here. Oh, you're so sweet to reach out. I'm so so excited to to chat with you. Oh, and- I want to learn everything I need to know. About the life and times of Susie Vinnick. Uh, it's really not that exciting, Rich. Really. It's I call shale okay. to that. I call shale to that. <laughs> so let me, let's warm up with a, an easy question. How is your Hyundai doing? How is that Hyundai uh, Elantra doing? Is it a okay. Hyundai Elantra? Yes, sir. It's a 2009 Hyundai Elantra, red. Touring? And, uh, no. 
well, no, I think it's, oh, I don't know which of the, if it's in, I don't know. It's which initials it has. It's got four doors. And um, so it's not a hatchback. So, because I think the tourings are the ones with the trucks. Yeah, mine's a hatchback. My, I have a dig this. So we're getting into it now. (laughs) A 2009 Elantra Touring. Get out of town. What color? (laughs) Nah, gray. I I wanted red, but you know. Nah, it's all good. so, So tell me, how is it doing? Are you still driving that car? Yeah, I'm not. I've been using. So we have two Hyundai's now. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have, <laughs> um, we have a, a Hyundai uh, 2008 a Hyundai Entourage. It's the van. Oh, uh, they only made them for two years. I don't even. Know and we that. got it because Jack DeKaiser has had a number of them, and they've gotten up to half a million kilometers for him. Oh, wow. wow! So he had one, and he handed he passed it down to his son, and then he found one on sale. Uh, this is just a few years ago um, mm-hmm. for like with 100, 140,000 kilometers. So, and cheap, like borscht. So he bought it. And so we found one in our hood. It's been good. It's not been, it's been a little more uh, uh, service needy yeah. okay. than the, the red, the Hyundai, the Hyundai Elantra. But it's the Hyundai Elantra is up to 551. Um, and the van is just nicer. Holy like shit. it's, it, yeah, 551,000 kilometers. And the van is just a little bit cozier for touring and yeah. and not having yeah. to like do yeah. total Tetris packing. Got so it, got it, got it, got it, got it. So, so, but but that being said, like, and I'm not, I haven't been playing the states. Uh, yeah. I haven't played yeah. there since early 2020, before COVID really yeah. made yeah. its mark and stopped everything. Um, and with the trunk, I prefer touring with with the sedan because you can close because you don't have to haul everything in. Uh, mm-hmm. Can leave CDs and things like that in the trunk. Oh yeah, right, right. Hey, um, yes. but but. Five hundred and what? Fifty thousand kilometers. Five hundred fifty-one thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not uh, round down. Um, <laughs> um, that's that's unbelievable to me. And mine's at two hundred and seventy-eight, and I'm already getting cold feet. I here. Okay. So let's compare our brains. Okay. I I won't even drive my two hundred and seventy-eight thousand kilometer Hyundai Elantra Touring to ottawa at a fear that it's going to break down i shit my pants even going to detroit with it and you're telling me what are you telling me to that statement um well find a really good mechanic actually is I what... get right 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 next to our house we've got a good one so okay so we've got a good yeah. mechanic live a little yeah. i should i should drive oh, yeah, the car yeah. that i own yeah well i yeah totally i i think um yeah, like if I have a big trip to go on, like it's that car that uh, our Hyundai has gone down to Texas a couple of times. Yeah. Um, in early 2020, so it was probably at 500 and I'd have to look at the odometer, but I was pro- I'm amazed. Guessing, oh, yeah. Yeah. It went to Indianapolis and then to Windsor and then home, and okay. it's been to a number of shows in Ottawa area. Um, we've gone to Owen Sound. Have we go to Owen Sound? There's uh, up to, to up to um, Halliburton, so yeah. you know three four hours. But if there's a big jaunt, then I take it to my garage. I get it, get them to do a little peekaboo, yeah, and yeah, you know usually yeah. it's time for an oil change. Okay, and get her done. And um, and our our people, but they just sold the garage. I just found out yesterday. Oh shit! Today, so okay. they're still there, but it's just so amazing to have uh, people that you can trust. So. 
um, yeah. And when would us- you uh, when when would you think of um, putting putting the the Hyundai down, like like uh, putting her to sleep? Um, I think once if once touring picks up a bit more, and if I have to do some stateside shows, um, I'll take it in and have it looked at. I'm I'm starting to feel like. You know, it owes me nothing. Yeah, well, um, no doubt. No doubt. I, that's what yeah. I'm feeling about mine. It's only got t- 278. You'd feel that mine is just getting started. <laughs> yeah, well, kind of. Our van wow. that we got was had 215, I think. Okay, I, you know what this is? This is like um, a mental adjustment. That's what you're teaching me here. It's like, because honestly, I'm I'm thinking, man, if she could make one more winter then we'll we'll get rid of her and you're thinking no 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 drive how long have you had it 2009 so you've you, you toured a lot that tells me that you toured a lot to have five we bought the car the same year and that's how many kilometers you've put on it mine's a 2009 so we, as well yeah we bought ours in 2013 um i so i'm i'm living in niagara region in an old church and i took possession of the church in 2012 this time Oh, and wow. then early 2013, um, my other Hyundai um, needed too much work. So we set it free. Yeah. And then through a great dealership down uh, here in Niagara called okay. um, Haldeman Motors. They're mm-hmm. um, a really big used car uh, sale sales place yeah. in um, Cayuga. And um, I found the car. I knew I wanted to get another Hyundai. It's a few years old. I mean, it was 2009, and this was, it was four years old. Oh, okay. It was about, okay. So about you 120. Didn't buy, you didn't buy it new. You didn't Not buy brand new. spanking new. Got it, no. got it. Um, okay. So I had probably 120, 130 clicks on it. Wow, wow, wow. And I got it for around 10 grand. And the thing that was cool. That That's amazing. Our, they let you take the car for a test drive. You give them your driver's license and mm-hmm. out you go. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it. And I said, can I take it to my garage and they can give it a look over. And they, they're sure that the, the key with this place, you can't haggle. You pay the price that's on the car. However, so great, I, took, I took the car to my garage. They gave me a list of things to have the uh, that would need that they were recommended be done. Mm-hmm. So like I think it was a timing chain or timing belt, a um, couple okay. tires. I, the car needed a clean and oil change. There were a few things. So I took it back, gave them a list of stuff. They fixed everything. They cleaned the car and... Mm-hmm gave it a thumbs up. So it's just needed regular maintenance over the years. And that's been, I think that's been really important. And I think we also scored, I think it just was a really good, a well-built built car. I think it was a good time. So I, I would trust, trust the Elantra. Okay. Well, I know I'm into this. I really am. (laughs) Welcome to car talk. (laughs) <laughs> with, with friendly rich and Susie Vinnick here, but it on, is an uh, industry ta- tactic, right? We're not like is. made of money as as artists. It is. I love the stories I, I read about like uh, actors who yep. have done really well and been in you know big movies and and yep. are, have a lot of dough, mm-hmm. but they don't need a brand new car. They dr- drive something a little older. Yeah. Um, I used to work in a high end music store in Ottawa briefly um, mm-hmm. that sold Steinway pianos and. Mm-hmm. One of the salespeople told me the story about this guy coming in with painting, like he had clo- uh, like a mechanics sort of outfit on and full mm-hmm. of paint and mm-hmm. wanted to get a piano. And, you know, don't judge a book by looking at its cover. Yeah. And she sold him, you know, a $20,000 piano. Yeah. Because he, right. he didn't, look the, didn't look the part of, you know, the Hollywood 
um, sure. millionaire, right? Sure. But it's, and it's just kind of the same. Like if you take care of what you got and I'm not, you know, I'm not great at, I'm not, I don't always live that way, but I think generally, I know if rules are, if you take care of what yourself, it's going to last you longer. So do you, uh, let's segue now into music a little more. We'll inch sure. into it. Do you, do you treat the, <laughs> your gear the same way? Like, do you have a similar relationship with your gear? Um, I'm not as princessy with my gear. Well, I'm not like a princess with the car either, but, um, I play my, my, like my guitars. Nah, I know yeah. I'm, I'm a klutz. And I've I've got a, a couple of custom instruments and they get played a lot. They're beat up though. They don't look like they were just bought yesterday. And mm-hmm. I, I I mean and there's people who collect and hardly play the instrument. Same same thing at that music store I worked at. People would come in and buy a five thousand dollar Martin acoustic, mm-hmm. beautiful Martin, and mm-hmm. barely mm-hmm. know how to strum a G chord. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and my friend built me the current acoustic that I use, Joe Yanazello. And here we go. Do you you know you? I I, I've only met him through Kevin Bright once. Exactly, Kevin. Yeah, we had we had dinner at his house as a group of underground ex Catholic, um, (laughs) not ex Catholic. I'm Did you come out to Wayne Fleet? Yeah, I went out to Wayne Fleet as the Altar Boys, the Altar Boy Kabbalah. I'm there I'm a member. Go. I shouldn't actually even talk about that. I don't, you know what? I'm going to edit that out of this episode. But I've met Joe. I've been to his beautiful home, and that's yeah. got to be near you. Is that near you? Yeah, he's he's two minutes away from us. Oh my god! So, so you bought a church in? Is that Wayne Fleet? Yeah, he's in like he's in Wayne Fleet, but the little the little hamlet he's in is used to be called. Well, they still call it Winger. Winger, but, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's Winger. Right. And, um, yeah, we would go visit him and he said, Hey, you guys should check out the church up the road. And at that point I had been, um, I needed more space uh, as, cause my partner James had, I'd gone on, I had a a tour. I was gone for a couple months and James came out on the road with me. And so anyway, he, um, Joe said, check out, you should check out the, the church. And so we looked at it and went, this is cool. And I was like a little bit hesitant to leave Toronto because, yeah. I love Toronto. I still love yeah. Toronto and I miss yeah. Toronto. Um, but we we went out a few times and then it wasn't for sale. It was empty. It was, uh, and they it had a for sale sign and then they took it down and then they put it back up. Oops, sorry. Oh, okay. And, um, and yeah, so I ended up putting an offer in, in the fall of 20, wait, is it 2012? <laughs> was it, was it a, was it a functioning church that you had to retrofit to live in or was it a retrofit a ch- a church already to, to, that you could live in? Yeah, it, it was already retrofitted. It's okay. the, it's a church and a Sunday school. Um, so the church is, um, it had mothballed a bit. It had been empty for a few years. So a few things needed a bit of TLC. Yeah. But James um, is a carpenter contractor, and he's the sort of person that Amazing. if it can't be, if James, if it can't be fixed, or James can fix anything, mm-hmm. if it can't be fixed, then it's done if it's around James sort of thing, he's really good at taking things and making them look new. Oh, it must be in the water over there in uh, Kip Winger. (laughs) Right. Um, Cause Yanut solo blew my mind. I mean, I was, uh, that was a memorable pre pandemic pasta. Let's put it that way with the altar boys. Yeah. Joe's an an incredible cook too. Every once in a while he makes uh, pesto. Yeah. And he'll bring a little container over for us, or you oh, know, wow. in pre-COVID, it would be, we'd you know come on over for some yeah. pesto, just yeah. so good. 
Yeah. Uh, tell me the 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 beautiful reverb I'm hearing right now on on that microphone is that just the church that you're in? I would no. I think it's a combination. I have I'm going through a mixer and it's set for my streaming shows, so I can Fantastic. turn it down. No, if no, you no. Want. You don't don't touch a thing. We, we I don't are, think we it's are, too too hot. So. We are screaming and streaming here tonight with with the great <laughs> Susie Vinnick, just home from a Mariposa saunter. Um. When did you fall in love with music? Like, has this been a, a lifelong thing? Like when you were really young in like high school, did you know this is where you wanted to go? I never, so I, I, uh, I grew up in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, have an older brother. Mm-hmm. Um, he's seven years older and he took guitar lessons and I went along and the thing that instilled in the back of my little four-year-old mind was, wow possibilities and Mm -hmm. just that word and um yeah years later um well not that many i was nine yeah so it's a few years um my friend dougie and i he was like my best bud when i was growing up we were gonna Mm -hmm. start a band but none of us played an instrument (laughs) yeah so i said to mom hey mom can i take guitar lessons doug and i are gonna start a band and she she actually went yeah, sure. Jeff has, there's a guitar. Jeff's not playing it anymore. So sure. So I took guitar lessons and took to it like a fish to water, um, Mm -hmm. on my brother's old guitar. And like my first teacher in the taught me for a year. And then she said, I have nothing else to teach you. I've taught you everything I know. So I'll have to find you another teacher. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. And so, um, so I played, I started on guitar, took up saxophone at age 11. Oh, wow. wow. And then went, went into high school when I was 13. I skipped a grade, so um, when I used to be smart. And I um, uh, got involved in this. I played in Lions Band, which is like an extracurricular yeah. band. So I played in the concert band and the stage yeah. band. That was grade 8. And then I went into high school, got into the music program at our high school in Saskatoon. Yeah, across high school, and uh, there was concert band and wind ensemble, which I played saxophone in, and stage band and jazz combo, and and I actually picked up bass. So, and I, that was my saving thing. I was still a jerk in high school, but um, and I, I, I was the middle kid, black sheep. Whoa. So if I hadn't whoa. gotten into music. I'd probably be dead. <laughs> oh yeah, there's the statement. Uh-huh. We can we can go home. Um, I I hear just great things about the music education system from many that I've interviewed on this podcast Um, in in Saskatoon in the area. Like, do you did you it it seems like it was very rich for you? Well, we had a really dedicated music teacher, Mr. Peter England, and he um, he was an army guy. He or. I think he'd been with military, mm-hmm. then became a teacher. And so he was very disciplined and expected a lot of his students. And he was super organized. And I mean, I have to say, even in my elementary school, the, the music programs were great, too, all my, all my music teachers. So, yeah, I'm just really, really blessed and, and just happened upon this great um, music program at Cro- Holy Cross and... And the other thing that was was awesome was my parents. They were never, why don't you become a doctor? Why don't okay. you become a lawyer? None of that. Like, okay. and and okay. they might have thought that sometimes, but it, there was never any push to do that. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, 
so sorry, I'm, this is a really long answer to your question. Which, no, it's great. It's, so I never, you know, saw myself. I don't know what I saw myself doing when I was grow when I was gonna as a grown up, right? Mm-hmm. But I just knew that music made me feel really good and uh, was my best friend, and it's probably still my best friend. It's just something that has oh, always man. made me feel good and a place to express and hide in and yeah it's sort of like i don't know what it's like for you rich but it's like it's like you know water it's like food and music mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so i love that line of it's it's my best friend um <laughs> i'd i'd go there as well i love that idea i heard someone uh recently call it um like like her parents and uh I love that too, right? Music is my parent is is my parents. That's an interesting line. I hadn't heard it put that way either. And my best friend, well done on your on your part. Um, it makes you happy. Let's cut to one of your tunes. Let's let's play from your most recent record. Uh, Shake the love around you. This is happy as hell. All right. <laughs>
So that was that was happy as hell. Um, beautiful recording. Did you co-produce that record? I co-produced that with uh, my friend Mark Lalama at his place 20 minutes from here, which is so oh, awesome. I love this stone's throw kind of vibe that you've yeah. got going. So you've really found your your community out there in uh, the Niagara region. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to to definitely connect because it's not it's not like being in Toronto where you run into yeah. your musical tribe. Oh, know, it sounds great. That, that's anywhere. awesome. <laughs> what what can you tell Thank us you. about that about that tune? Any memories? I mean that that kicks off that that your entire record, right? That that number. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, early on living here at the church and and wanted to try doing some long distance collaboration, um, and reached out to my friend Dean McTaggart who. Um, I had written with before and I'd gone, I would spend, go out to his place um, initially in Shelburne and, and then um, mm. Durham okay. and, and then he's, he's now in Mount Forest. But yeah, I reached out to him and said, Hey, have you got any ideas for songs? And he sent me the idea and then we worked on, worked on another verse and, and it ended up uh, being the co-write to kick the album off. So, so you did it as a long distance. What, what was this uh, impetus to do long distance collaborations? Like, is that, uh, does that happen a lot on this record? Um, just trying to think I have to, to look at it and see what songs are on there. There's songs actually that I, that I had demoed early on in the two, like an early 2000 for a friend of mine. There's, mm-hmm. Um, what if I go grab it and then I can tell you more or does it matter? It's good. It's good. Yeah. yeah okay. Hang on. It. It's just let's, around let's the corner. Let's it. Right over here. Hey, see? All the way over here. You're getting the audio here, right, gentle listener? And what we're, we're getting a nice view of oh, yeah. Susie's guitar collection. I see a banjo. I see a, what looks like a bass. There are a uh, lot of, a, a lot of instruments in, uh, at the church. Two bases, the national uh, lap steel. Praise God is what I would say to this church. This is the kind of church I could spend some time in. Well, you know, it's sweet. It's like it's not a church anymore. And sorry, God, (laughs) but it it, it has created some community, which is awesome. Oh, nice. We've had Thanksgiving dinners here. We've and then a jam session. Are you able to record there? Like you, you, it seems like you've got it nicely set up for recording. It's, it's good. Yeah. It's, it, it, there's a, the room has a beautiful sound. The only cool. issue is right over here is a two lane highway where I have semis going by. So, you're like, oh, well, the, the semis just add to your sound, I would think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So I'm looking at my record. Happy as hell. That was with me and Dean. The Golden Rule. That's one that I started and then got finished in the process of recording the record. Mark helped me finish that. Arlene Bishop. Oh yeah. Um, also built a lot of the lyrics of that. Cool, Lean into cool. the light was kind of written for the project. Yeah, there's there's um some songs that it just had sort of sitting. Some that I uh, covers like 110 in the shade was one that on all the touring I do a lot of touring mm-hmm. in the states. Mm-hmm. Um, well, pre COVID and mm-hmm. um and so we listened. My partner James is a music nut, so we yeah. would listen to he'd put a MP3 CD in the car and we'd listen to 10 albums, depending how much oh, driving we had to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so this song kept coming on, and I, I ended up learning it for the record. Oh, and that old song cool. with uh, Blair Packham, Crying a River for You, Danger Zone is 
a Percy Mayfield song that I learned from one of my musical heroes uh, back from my Saskatoon days, a lady named Ellen McElwain. Oh, yeah. Did a recording of of the song, um, and it's, it's on one of her albums that Jack Bruce produced. Oh wow! Um, and then, so I used to go see her when I was a teenager in those formative years. Um, How amazing is that? So she yeah. uh, was she a big inspiration? Obviously, she's definitely someone who has influenced me. Because um, mm. her, she, I don't know if you know much about Ellen, but no. she she uh, is American, uh, was adopted by missionaries. And they went to Japan and did work there. And so she ended up going to uh, international school. So she had friends from all over the world and listened. They had they listened to um, radio that had Mm -hmm. music from all over the world. And Mm -hmm. so she was really world music influenced. And I used to go see her like it was probably my last days in high school. Um, She'd play at Buds on Broadway, the local blues bar in Saskatoon. And that's the that's the time where there were six, you know, you play six nights a week plus the jam sort of thing or do a few songs at the jam. And so towards my end of high school, like there's times I'd go to, to see her at Bud's six nights a week just wow, because wow. I just loved what Because she, she was this, there weren't many female right. players. She and Sue Foley are the only two that I can kind of think of that uh-huh. I could see playing music that I really dug, you know? Yeah. yeah. And um, anyway, so I used to go see her. And then I moved east and was invited by the Toronto Blues Society to be the bass player for the Women's Blues Review. And they invite guests from all across the country. Ellen oh, eventually neat. came back to the States. Um, when is that? When did the Blues Society, when would you have been invited? Uh, 95, I was a feature. Okay. Or 94, 95, and then 96, they asked me to be the bass player. So I got Very to back good. Ellen up for um, uh, one show at, there. So I, I played a few songs with her, and then and then we oh. did a few other shows together. She hired me. And, and she um, she remembered you from like obviously from back home, right? I, yeah, she probably did a little bit. I sort of felt like a pesky kid, though. It's not like I got to sit in the corner with her. Um, I don't know if I was a dick or something <laughs> when I was a kid. I don't know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. or too yeah. excited, or I didn't yeah. quite know how to act. Maybe yeah, yeah. Um. So, so I you know we weren't like close friends, but I just loved what she did because she she in, injects um arabic influences into her music there's tons Mm. of reggae Mm. there's heavy guitar so like she she came back from japan she was in georgia atlanta georgia for a while and then Mm. went to new york city hung out with like open shows for richie havens odetta and she had a band for a while and her guitar player she had this guitar player a guy named Jimi hendrix that played with her for a while oh come on seriously they were friends and she he played guitar with her and he was having a hard time making a go of it. I think okay. people were worried about this black guy, right? This whole mm-hmm. racist thing. And then he went over to the UK and then that's where he kind of exploded. So wow, they were buds cow. and played music together. She found that Canada gave her more opportunities to tour. So she ended up moving back, moving to, not back, moving to Canada, settling okay. in Calgary. And that's wow. what brought her, because there was a great, in the 80s, there was a, an early 90s, there was a great um, touring um like you could go, you could play a week in Edmonton, a week in Calgary, okay. a week in Saskatoon, a week in Regina, yeah. a week in Winnipeg, a week in Vancouver. Like there was a yeah. great circuit. That's the word yeah. I'm looking for. Yeah. yeah. So, so she, yeah, she ended up settling there. And, and so 
I got to meet her there and then play with her in Toronto. And she sadly passed in earlier mm. this year. I want to say June. Oh, no. I'm sorry yeah. to hear this. She got, she got cancer. Mm-hmm. She The last 10 years or so, she drove school bus. She just found touring, I think, a bit hard. I think she struggled mm. with industry stuff. Like someone with her accolades mm. and her musicality mm-hmm. and that should have been... Yeah, yeah. To me, um, um, I mean, she's loved by people all over the world, but I think she should have been way bigger than she was because there's nobody that does. She's just this slide voice that she has, the singing voice. Anyway, I think I've got to check her. Yeah, Yeah, I've got to. I've got to check her out. I mean, this is really inspiring stuff, Um, and it is industry tactics. It's like it's like. It's really beautiful. I really appreciate you opening this door to like this connection that you had with her. And um, man, the fact that she was driving school bus in the last 10 years of her life is like also special and just kind of, I think, um, I think it shines a light on, on the industry that, that we're in, you know, is like someone that, yeah, like to, to your point could, should, um, deserve so much more is just uh kind of trying to figure things out right to the end it sounds like in a lot of ways you know it's um, well yeah, yeah in some ways she also loved kids like yeah okay, but okay. before she um before she even got this diagnosis she had reached out to me she mm-hmm. she found love but long distance i don't think they ever actually got to be together but i think they would talk for hours and hours and hours at night and she yeah it was a friend of a friend of mine and um and i like all over the years and that i'd sing ellen's praises and cover yeah. this danger zone song i play with yeah. the, on bass and talk about ellen and someone would if every show would always oh i love ellen and used to see oh. her and, and anyways um so she actually called me and we i think we talked on the phone for about three hours and it just was such an honor oh. She just reached out to chat and, and someone was working on a documentary on her life and, and would I be interested in talking, you know, being part of it somehow. And it's like, totally, but we had this beautiful connection. And then when she got the diagnosis, she invited me to be part of a Facebook group of a bunch of friends um, that she felt needed to be part of her last days. So she was still alive and would post a bit, but then I didn't know exactly what was up with this. And then she posted this diagnosis and, okay. and then she went into um, palliative care and mm-hmm. was gone, I think a week and a half later, a week later. So, wow. so in that group, wow. I got to, um, she loved kids. And one of the women in the, in the group said, if Ellen had had her way, she would have had like 15 kids. So driving school bus was perfect. Or she used to decorate the school bus for Halloween with like amazing. she had a skeleton and amazing, amazing. things like that. And yeah. just other loves, you know, love of music, obviously not yeah. a love of the industry, right. um, okay. the challenges of the industry, but she always stood her ground as far as being a female performer. And, um, and I think that was part of her challenge actually, you know, like I think that they were, they would push a lot of the female performers to, to, you know, wear tight clothes and we have to wear this, you have to look this way. And Ellen was mm-hmm. just like, that's not what it's about for me. It's about the music. It was always about the music for her. And it, it, you know, made her a little crusty. It made her, it pissed her off. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So, how, and I think, yeah. I guess my follow up to that would be, how has that, uh, affected your the way you navigate like all, all of that last bit especially just like you know is is that there like did you feel that as well like do you relate to that well i mean i'm not 
I'm not a, a stand, like a person that stands up. I don't speak out, but I think I'm Ukrainian <laughs> and I'm a Taurus and I'm really stubborn. And so if I want something, I just kind of, um, go for it. And it's not yeah. even a conscious thing. Sometimes, um, yeah. I am yeah. not like, you know, like, uh, a teeny, I'm not a small person. And, uh, and so, um, and I mean, I've been really enjoying this latest thing about Adele and her transformation and how she's mm-hmm. just kind of said, screw the industry. And mm-hmm. I mean, she's beautiful and she, but she's not a stick, like yeah, the yeah. stick, you know, right. the twiggy right. thing. And, and right. Right. she doesn't give a shit. It's about the music for her. I mean, yeah. she loves to dress up in that. Yeah. If, if I had my way, I'd just wear a ghost costume and get up and, and sing and, and yeah. play. And it just, because, well, yeah. I guess, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, that's a challenge for me, the, the image yeah. stuff. But, yeah. but yeah. that being said, I do music full time and, Amen. Amen. and I have a sweet little property and, um, I'm not a millionaire. I drive a car with a half over half a million kilometers on it. Hey, so that's know. a half million. I, I, <laughs> 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 a half million is a half million. It can't be undermined. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's impressive. And, and you're doing it on your terms. And, um, yeah, you know, it's like, I, 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 I talk to many and I, uh, on, on this podcast and I try, I'm trying to really kind of see the industry from different perspectives and, and, and that's really special to me and unique. And I, I really want to give that time to kind of reflect on, on that. And sure, the, the industry is not, I'm not running this podcast to discover the, it's a joke. Fuck the industry. Like that's, that's the whole point of the the thing, right? Is it's all about the music and that's what you are definitely focused on. And, and, um, I love this, this like role model in Ellen McElwain, um, seems like a really big inspiration to you. And that's, I'm jazzed about that. Like, I think that's really, (laughs) that's the inspiring piece for me is like, um, you know, seeing someone that you can look up to and aspire to and, and learn from. And, um, and the fact that she kept you close sounds like right to the end is, is really cool and, and special, you know, it's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what? That was really, that was magic for me when she called like um, out of the blue, it was, uh, because hmm. sometimes like when you're not in touch, I mean, I, I'm saying, I honestly, I play shows States and Canada and I do this cause I do this one song. I do mm-hmm. more now on like just singing and playing bass for one song and I do it, but I would wow. always tell a little story. My boyfriend would be like, okay, you have to short the story about Ellen. Okay. You're talking too much about Ellen. It's like, yeah, but I love Ellen and, and yeah, she's cool. huge for me. And it also like conjures up people that might've used to, she had a, like Ellen had a major label deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I don't know how many records she put out, but, um, so people, so she toured a ton. She used to tour a yeah. ton and yeah. then, and then, it, and yeah. slow down a bit. Right. But, um, yeah. Um, so people, it would always like, I'd always, like I said, I'd get one person in the audience to go, would come up to me after the show and say, oh man, I, I saw Ellen, blah, blah, blah here. I saw her there. Wow. And wow. so, yeah. So, isn't this, isn't this yeah. magical though? This direct connection to you, like you, you're in Saskatoon, you make the connection there, you reconnect in Toronto. It's just all of this. Like I just, it's so special to you and your story. That's why it's like, 
almost dominating the interview here. Like you're, you're talking. Sorry. No, don't <laughs> shit. Don't apologize. <laughs> We're talking more about Ellen than you. And I love that. I think that's like a special thing. I don't want to. Don't apologize for that. I think that's what we're here to talk about. Like, and that's you, right? I'm getting, I'm learning a lot about you through that is that story of like lineage in our music careers, right? How that is like, that is the gift right there. That relationship with, with someone like Ellen that spanned over how many years? Um, That's what we take from a lot of this, right? Is these, these deep friendships. And I know you have many, many more in, in terms of your musical family and your community, right? So uh, no, no, no. That I thank you for uh, for taking a a, <laughs> a a right turn there in in our in our discussion. So and yeah. and you did a, on your new record on your 2018 release rather the shake shake the love around you. You did a tune of Ellen's then, eh? Yeah. Well, it, it's a technically it's a Percy Mayfield song. Sorry, but you mentioned it, that, it's yeah. it's it's a Danger Zone is the, is what okay. it's called. But okay. she did a really cool cover back when in the in the 80s on a record everybody needs it i think is the name of the album i should know mm-hmm. this jack bruce produced it and jack played bass uh-huh. on her her version so it's just her singing oh, wow. she's known as a slide player well and a vocalist but mm-hmm. on that track it's her singing jack is playing this cool groovy bass mm-hmm. and then there's a percussionist doing their thing and so we wow. would do that with the women's blues review with her and then oh, a neat. bunch of the other shows that i did michelle joseph played drums and oh, wow. and wow. Uh, she used to play michelle played with with ellen um back in like, back in the day when yeah? she yeah in um oh, wow. when i think because ellen ellen might have lived in toronto for a while i don't mm. know all the specifics of her history but i just i just know what i know and are I they remember. making that documentary i haven't heard anything lately um oh. But uh, so I'm not sure where things are at. I know they got some stuff done and um, but I'm wow. not sure how what's going to end up happening. I'm sure you'll hear about it, though. It's amazing. Um, when she passed, she made like the yeah. Washington Post. She made the New York oh, wow. Times. It's, I mean, it was wow. just. Wow. 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 Yeah. So and, and where did, where did she like where was she living when she passed away? Was she in Canada? Calgary. In Calgary. Yeah, okay. She lived in Calgary. Okay. Probably. Well, I would have connected with her in the mid 80s so i think she's been there since then would you say she's one of the more important figures in your in your musical life to date yeah i i think so i mean what i played i there's i i feel there's in like i where the influences are and sometimes when i sing i can kind of feel like oh i'm doing an ellen here like just some of the stuff she would do it's fun um Wow. And musically, I'm kind of all over the map. I love blues and songwriter stuff. So, and Ellen really was really heavy groove, heavy kind of reggae figured into her music and some yeah. blues stuff. She just yeah. would take songs and make and Ellenize them, like yeah. make them her own and her own kind of style. So, yeah, neat. Um, but definitely, yeah, she's she's a she's a big one for me for sure. And and when you get a call to play bass like you did, um, did that did that weird you out at the time? Because I mean, you, or are, are you are you like oh, I'm a guitar player? I'm a, I could play bass. I could do it. I could. I'll just do this thing. No, I at that point, um, bass was my main thing. I started guitar at nine, and I, as, as I mentioned, ah. and then eleven I picked up sax, and then in high school in the stage band. 
I went in as a guitar player and there was another guy who played guitar as well, but there was no bass player. And Kevin, the, the other guitar player, knew more of the jazz chords. I was more like the folky chord person. And I saw this bass and I went, hmm, this is interesting. And I asked the music teacher if he would mind if I played bass, if I tried okay. to figure out bass. He said, that'd be great. So I got to take the red bass from high school home and learn how to play it. So that ended up being my main instrument for 17 years. And I'm still playing it. I'm not gigging on it like I used to. Um, I came and and so I left Saskatoon in 91 to to play bass in a trio in Ottawa with my friend Tony Tony de Teodoro. Antonello Alessandro Paolo de Teodoro or Tony D for short. He has a musical name. He does. Isn't it fun? Wow. And so I played with Tony for a couple of years and we're still really good friends and we still play music together, but I was yep. the bass player in our trio okay. and, um, and sang, okay. Tony wow. sang and he's like a Stevie Ray Vaughan-ish kind of guitar player. And, um, yeah. So, so you, so you left Saskatoon to get right, right down to work. You started working. Yeah, that that's what ended up happening. I had done okay. I I I skipped like I mentioned I skipped a year of university or skipped a year of school. So I mm-hmm. finished high school at seventeen, really young, like emotionally. Yeah. yeah. Always playing music, um, and then I started going to these jams every Saturday at Buds on Broadway and playing music, and then working at a gas station as a cashier. Mm. Um, <laughs> Occasional yeah. maybe babysitting or occasional house cleaning, just stuff to get by, tree planted briefly, um, sucked at it, but it was a great experience. And then um, would go out and catch music and got to hear Tony play at one point. And we, um, and then he did ended you, up. You mentioned university. Did you go to university or did you? I no, did. For, you did. I did one year. I just did three classes. Mm-hmm. Um, basket weaving 101, 102, 103. No, that's not true. Um, I did a... Um, <sighs> <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up, right? Yeah, I still yeah. don't. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A world of possibilities. Probably be a musician. <laughs> yeah, music. So I took, but I, yeah, I took a music theory course. I took a psychology mm. course thinking maybe this will help me kind of figure myself out a little bit. And I took um, a drama course because I thought, well, maybe this will help me with some presence on stage or something. So, Oh, wow. So you were, it was geared towards, you knew where you yeah. what you wanted. Uh, in Saskatoon? So. Yeah, in Saskatoon at U of okay. S. So. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it, you, you got right down to it, then you, you kind of, uh, from there, you skipped another grade, and you just went straight <laughs> to it, it sounds like. So when you, you kind of came, came to Toronto from Ottawa, then, is that? Is that, that is yeah, that a, so yeah. I, and I, I, I did the university for one year, and then I got mm. myself into a little, um, I ended up, um, I got, I had, a, I had a daughter that I gave up for adoption, Okay. And so that sort of sh- shifted everything and put the brakes on stuff and ended up uh, staying in Saskatoon. Uh, so I had her at 19 and then mm-hmm. ended up staying in Saskatoon till like June of um, 20, not 21, June of 91. Okay. And that is okay. when I went to Ottawa to play with Tony. Wow. And wow. Um, so... So, yeah, so that kind of put the brakes on more school and, mm-hmm. and more mm-hmm. question marks as to what am I going to do in my life that mm-hmm. just sort of you grow up pretty quick when you oh yeah have a kid. Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't do yeah. all the, the hard work that parents do, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I yeah. did a different kind of thing. And it's all worked out really well. I was too young and I'm, yeah. I'm pals yeah. with her and her family. And You are. Oh, that's yeah, fantastic. It's great. it's great. I got to choose her family. And, oh, my God. Um, Amazing. So I would got to kind of 
see how she was doing over the years and and uh oh that's so neat yeah, that's she's, really she's really special I, yeah. I feel like you know ideally it would have been great to be in a situation where i could have been yeah. her mom and brought yeah. her up but her yeah. family ended up just being amazing and oh good and uh yeah and i met them through a, a really close friend of mine um, i just had just kind of met just around mm-hmm. the time i found out i was pregnant and then that that she became a really good friend and she said wow. you know my parents have these friends that want to adopt and wow. and so wow. um oh isn't that amazing yeah. eh yeah yeah so yeah. so anyways that's that sort of was a little time and that's kind of why the school thing yeah kind of urge and yeah. um yeah yeah and then yeah. i went to ottawa to play with tony we played briefly we played music briefly in saskatoon he had a girlfriend in saskatoon that's where actually okay. we met i'd okay. seen him play years yeah. before yeah but we met and then ended up doing a trio in Saskatoon, and then the girl, oh he and the gal split. He moved back to Ottawa, uh-huh. and and he that's we kept in touch. And that's when he said, "I got work for the summer. If you want to come out, check it out and play." And it's like it was amazing, and this whole other slice of life. And and then yeah. um, took the chance and decided I'm going to move there. So I I uh, my brother got married in in uh, August of that year, and just before it, my parents won. A little, my dad actually won a lottery. I just here we go. You you never, you never hear this industry tactics. Give us the details. Well, he he won, I think, fifty grand, and it was perfect timing because they. I don't think they quite knew how they were going to pay for this wedding of my brothers, and yeah, yeah. And uh, they helped me buy a little van, and and I packed it up with my life into it, and drove across the country by myself. Picked up a hitchhiker, I think, and where did I get him? Oh, just after Thunder Bay. Uh, Bernard yeah. Cortez from France. He you was lovely. His, you remember his name? I yeah. remember his name because he, he, yeah. I'd seen him waving at one point, you know, his <laughs> thumb and, and, and then, yeah. um, and I, and I passed by and then after Thunder Bay, which kind of gets a little more desolate, that strip between yeah. Thunder Bay and, and really down to Wawa or Sault Ste. Marie. Right. Um, ended up just saying, screw it and picked him up. And we just, we got along really well. And I, That's I remember, amazing. so we ended up split, splitting a hotel room or a motel yeah. room. Yeah. And then I dropped him off just north of North Bay and I've never seen him again. Wow. Or talked wow. to him. But yeah, we're, cool. we're getting in, we're getting into beautiful. Thank you for everything that you're sharing, by the way. <laughs> I just say this is, fa- it's a fascinating saunter through the, uh, the life and times of Susie Vinnick. And we land <laughs> at this beautiful church in Winger. Wait, no, well, it, Wayne Fleet is technically our, Wayne where Fleet, I am. Yeah, Wayne Fleet. <laughs> Ontario. Um, let's let's play another uh, tune from your new your twenty eighteen release. Let's play "Creaking Pines." What a beautiful oh, cool. tune this is! You want to set it up for us, like a radio can, DJ would? How much detail do you want, or do you this want is any? Cr- "Creaking Pines" from the twenty eighteen release. Shake the Love Around You, co-produced <laughs> okay, like by Mark LaLama and Susie Vinnick here on a psychedelic Sunday. Shall we leave that for you? <laughs> I guess I just went for it. Hey, this is Susie Vinnick, and you are listening to Creaking Pines, a song from Susie's. That's me. Hey, wait, that's me. My 2018 release, Shake the Love Around, which was produced by Mark LaLama and myself in the Niagara region. The song was written by Kent Thaker, who's an old high school friend of mine from Saskatoon.
that was creaking pines. You are keeping <laughs> your friends, eh? Like you, you. I, I'm not co-writing with, with, um, with high school mates. That that is a beautiful thing that you're doing. So you're connecting those dots, eh? You're going way back. Oh, Kent actually reconnected with me. We knew each mm-hmm. other in high school. I didn't know he was a songwriter. Oh, um, wow. He tracked me down in Toronto. We came out to a show with a couple of friends of mine, and he approached me after the show, said hi. I'm like, oh, great. my God. Great. How Isn't cool to that see great you. How, how music does that? Like it, yeah. it can connect you that way or reconnect you. Yeah. Yeah. So he actually hired me to sing a few songs of hit that he'd written, a few demos. And this is one that had, Creaking Pines was one that had always kind of stuck in my it's like a like a one something like it tucked in your back pocket more that some some songs just resonate a little bit more yeah yeah and my beautiful. partner james is a music nut he's probably in love with music more than i am oh wow and Special. he Good. when we were putting songs together for this yeah. for shake the love around he said what about creaking pines and it just seemed to fit the collection we already had so Oh, so he's he's right in there helping influence the, the 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 order of the songs, the curation of the of the record and everything, eh? Well, definitely reminding good. me because he good. just he remembers yep. everything. Yeah, that's what things. we do. That's what our partners sh- should do. I think is <laughs> is have that influence, right? Yeah, he, you probably should be interviewing him about me. Actually, he could. Well, inevitably, I'm <laughs> interviewing you about Ellen McElwain. So I'll interview the next oh, episode go. of Industry Tactics. Will We'll be interviewing James about you. I think that that feels good to me. Actually, I think he'd be he could interview James about his. He used to be a roadie for Blue Peter. Do you remember the oh. band Blue Peter? Holy shit! Wow, wow. So yeah. he he's had a life too. Yeah, he has. He, That's cool. He was on the road with them. Well, mostly I think in Ontario. I don't think he traveled yeah. the country much with them, mm. but mm. he was good friends with a bunch of those guys for years. Well, still is he's not mm-hmm. as in touch with them, but okay. Um, yeah, so he's. He's got his own history, and he's a music nut. He's a total music nut. Did I tell you he's a music nut? We all are. That's why we're here. And doesn't um, he have a fun name? James Dean? Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a his special real name. name. And he's a really great photographer as well, right? He is, and he's getting into building guitars now and well, repairing his guitars. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> with, with definitely... a neighbor like Solo, it's in the water over there, I guess, eh? Yeah, it's kind of influenced him a little bit. So are they friends? Are they friends as well? James and Joe? Yeah. Oh hell yeah. Joe is uh a, a saint of a human as far as I could tell from the Well priest sure, he's spirit. one of the altar boys, right? Yeah. Aren't yeah. you all saints? Uh, you guys are all saints. In in our own way, in our own way. <laughs> um so so oh we can we could go long here, but I, I um we probably should wrap up. I, I want to ask you, after all of your adventures in music, you said earlier, you said when you kind of first discovered the guitar, it was a world of possibility. Um, you know, how do you keep it fresh? How do you stay in love with the thing after all these years? And I mean, looking at kind of uh, Ellen and just like, how she might have, you said, you mentioned she got tired of touring or just like, it's a, it's a, it's a challenging life. There's no doubt. Right. Um, I think, I don't, I, yeah. I think I heard recently she didn't love flying. So uh, okay. um, that may have okay. been a little bit of it. I mean, you'd have to mm-hmm. ask her really and, or people that were super close to her and maybe talk to her on a more regular basis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause she did still gig in between the, um, 
uh, driving the school bus. But the school bus thing, I mean, that's it's like a September to June thing for her. Right. She has to be because right, she right, did right. The, did it full time. Right. Got but she'd it. still do do gigs, and I think okay. at one point Sue Foley has this wonderful Guitar Women project that she put together and did a bunch of shows where she'd collect up a bunch of different female musicians and do a show. I don't know in the round. No, we we did, we did our own sets. I did. I did one festival that that Sue had arranged for me to be part of with her, mm-hmm. Rochelle Van Zanten, and um, it's really great. And and Sue got Ellen on a bunch of the shows I oh, think good. out west. Good. Rochelle Van Zanten as well, who's a killer songwriter, vocalist, activist, um, slide guitar mm-hmm. player from Smithers, BC, mm-hmm. and Lake Lake uh, Francois Lake. I think is is sort of is where her family hails from, but. Um, yeah, so Sue, I think, had Ellen out touring a bit more. And so I'm not sure if it was just Ellen loving the school bus driving and not having and just kind of doing gigs because she wanted to, not because she had to. Right, 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 right. And I totally understand that. That's a yeah. nice thing to do stuff, something because you want to do it, not because you have to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, what, so what keeps you. What keeps you f- loving it, th- this thing of, of music and adventures related to it, you know? Well, it's it's a combination. I mean, it's the having to. Um, mm-hmm. I have a mortgage. I have other bills and debt, you know. Mm-hmm. So that stuff needs to be paid. And that's when I look at, I don't ha- really have another skill set. You know, I could work in an office and do mm-hmm. clean mm-hmm. people's houses make $15 an hour, $20 mm-hmm. an hour. But, mm-hmm. um, as a musician kind of can work a little bit less and get a nice bang for the buck mm-hmm. sometimes, not always that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I think more importantly, like during the whole pandemic, um, I, I started streaming in March of 2020, every Wednesday night, I found this little website that would yeah. work with my, my wimpy internet <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that I yeah. had then. And I've, I've managed to find a nice mom and pop provider that's helped me up my game oh, a bit wow. here, okay. which is great. But, um, so every Wednesday night I did this streaming show on this site called street jelly. And it was sort of a three points that it helped me to connect with other people, even when we were all in isolation. Mm-hmm. So that was really lovely. Um, getting to uh, still play music and, and keep my chops up and stuff. And then, mm-hmm. and also then just make a little bit extra money. And yeah. Yeah. so that's sort of the thing, the bigger picture. I mean, the money is great um, to, to pay bills, but I think just in my soul and that, and, and playing and expressing and yeah, it's a way of getting stuff, getting, stuff off our chests expressing ourselves and yeah yeah um so playing and singing are definitely ways of that uh happening and how do you how how are you seeing yourself now coming out of the the funk of uh 18 months of doing this i mean it sounds like you hit the ground running in march of when it when it first (laughs) happened with with the uh live streaming but how how do you see yourself now emerging from this uh, this lockdown? How are you feeling about that? Well, you know, when it's summer months, I feel a little better because there's a mm-hmm. bit more work out there to help uh, yeah. pay the bills. Um, I'm a little nervous about the winter, to be honest. It's it's weird. Like I did a show last night, and 
it feels, it feels good to get up and be in front of people and play for people, but there's always this kind of quiet underlying kind of cloud of invisibility, COVID invisibility. You can't yeah. see it. You don't know if it's there. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fully vaxxed in that yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. we'll get the boost or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. but you can still get sick and that, that is mm-hmm. scary, especially a friend's daughter was intubated. She was double vaxxed. Uh-huh and hospitalized she's oh. on the men now but as a vocalist like that's terrifying like, right. it could totally right. thrash right. the vocal right. cords and change right. things right. um right. and singing for me is, is really the big thing it's my it just comes from the co- yeah. my core yeah and playing is great but it doesn't yeah. serve me in quite the same way uh, okay. that's as as the uh as singing singing yeah. is the thing thinking yeah. me I think That's I hope nice. that answers it. And I hope I hope I've uh, hit up some of the tactics or that this is helpful to your listeners well, what, or whatever. What are the um yeah, as we we as we wrap up, I want to also just dig into a couple of other things real quick. So Sure. You were the Tim Hortons vo- the voice <laughs> of Tim Hortons for 5 years. What? That was a that was a huge blessing. Um I got to do I I did I've done occasional jingles and things over yeah. the years. Um I sang a song for a film uh, for a singer to for an actor to um lip sync. Yeah. But they didn't end up using that song, but that got me, you know, it got me enough sort of yeah. actra points that I ended up being full on actra and oh. then I did when it when t- when it used to be um all time it's time for Tim Hortons. I did one of those. Oh shit. Uh, I did one, like one commercial. And then I got a call to audition because they were changing their campaign up a bit. And mm-hmm. so I was probably one of five people that went and auditioned for it and got the call and said, great. hey, you you got it. And oh, they, wow. they uh, so I thought, well, that's great. And I'd ended up doing it for a year and then another year. And yeah. then then they called me and said, um, they're changing the campaign just slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, can you come in and re-sing a couple things? And so I did. Uh, and, then, and then another year. And then another right. year. And it's just wow. like, every, I just felt like... Um, Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the then, coffee guys. Where, and it, yeah, and it's it's just, it was really fun. And, and people got a kick out of it. They wouldn't know yeah. who the hell I am, but I sang yeah. the commercial. I remember doing a workshop in a school and telling the kids that... Yeah. So do you... So, you know, I do lots of things as a musician yeah. that help yeah. me pay my bills and that. Yeah. And, and so if you've heard this and I would sing the jingle and, uh, Amazing. And always fresh, always Tim Hortons. And then it end, at the Holy end, it was shit. Oh, always Tim Hortons is what it ended up being. They, they made it even shorter. Yeah. And the kids would the, like, they Whoa. cut out the word, they cut out the word fresh. Smart the move. always fresh part. Smart move. Well, I think they yeah. they changed the way they were processing the foods or something. I don't know. They never. I yeah. didn't know the whys, but I just happily went in there and sang. So so I yeah. signed a few coffee cups and oh, people that's would always ask, sweet... "Did you get free bagels and yeah, did you get yeah. free coffee?" That's a sweet thing to do, though, is to share <laughs> that. I mean, it's also yeah. nice these behind the scene uh, adventures that will happen a lot in music, where it's like, yeah, that will help you, that will sustain you, and. And no one knows. A lot of people won't know that, right? Like I, I, I wasn't familiar with that. Um, I think that's really cool. Like, do you want to? Is that a a goal, or is that something that you can seek out to do more well, of those kind of things, or do those just hit you when, in, um, in, in your experience? 
I left to, when I left Toronto. I mean, I didn't do a ton of jingle stuff, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. did additions here and there. When I left the city, though, it was it was tricky because you'd have to go in for it. They get a call yeah, yeah, for yeah. an audition, and then it's an hour and a half or two hours, depending on the drive into the city from from Wayne Fleet, depending on traffic. I mean, and then you'd go, and you're not guaranteed. And the thing that was funny. Rich is that when I got the Tim Hortons jingle, I didn't have an agent. It was just me. And then, and then I thought, I want to try a little bit of voiceover work. I think voiceover work would be cool. So I got an agent. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I got an agent, it's like crickets kind of, I've gotten two paying gigs, but I also moved to the country in a way I've done lots of auditions, but I I know from talking to other people who have done, who've been in this industry, um, Mm -hmm. The singing stuff definitely comes easier for me, and I'm, I'm not like an actor. I don't, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I want to be, I'd rather be in a ghost costume yeah. than, <laughs> yeah, yeah, than yeah. in front of people, right? Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. the talking, the speaking stuff, um, not so comfortable with. So anyway, oh, no, well, um, well, so it'd be cool. And, and I'm so set up now to do stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, so exactly, exactly, right? I, so I just might need to do a little coaching, but I'm getting enough yeah. singing gigs. And, and really yeah. that's where... Where, where my my heart is in the in the singing and the performing and being able to sing yeah. my own music or sing other music music by other people that resonates with me in some way. Go. So yeah. Well, it's a beautiful thing what you're up to, and you you you've got the focus and and the drive, right? It's evident. So, <laughs> what um, as a parting thought, what is the advice you'd give yourself? Uh, or, or to someone starting out in this industry to uh, to keep them keep them in it, keep them inspired. Gosh, it's such a different industry now than it was when I started out. But I think yeah. this is actually advice that will work no matter the time. Is that especially when I lived in Toronto, and I think you can do this anywhere. Toronto was great because there's so many more opportunities. But I was in a number of projects. I did some jingle work when I could get it. I did some work as a side person because I'm also not as not only a vocalist but an instrumentalist. I did some workshops. Diversification okay. um, is sure. a really great thing. It connects you with lots of different people. I mean, it, to some people it might look scattered, but it helped me to pay the bills. It kept things interesting for me. It wasn't just one thing, which I get bored pretty easily. So all this different stuff going on made it, kept me stimulated and excited Yeah, and, um, about the things I have to do. And, um, yeah. So to be, to be open to trying different things and, um, and if, if this is an industry you want to be in, you know, um, cause it, you may find it's, uh, it's hard. I mean, there's only so many Beyonce's and Adele's and, Mm -hmm. and places to perform. It's, 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 it's a challenging industry. So, um, yeah. And and there may come times when you have a family and that, and being able to stay closer to home and watch your kids grow up or something like that might be nice to be able to do things when you're at home. And now certainly with COVID has certainly opened things up with streaming and, yeah. Teaching yeah. from home a bit. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's what you said earlier when we started this conversation, it's a world of possibility, right? And it remains yeah. a world of possibilities. So, you know, um, thank you. Thank you for what you do. There's only one Susie Vinnick 
and <laughs> and you go to suzyvinnick.com to learn more about her work um thank you for what you've shared today this has been a delightful saunter through a, a very rich uh life and career in music so far and i w- i wish you the the very best as you as we kind of figure it out getting at hopefully knock on wood getting out of this thing you know yeah, it's going to take some time, I think, but yeah, slowly yeah. but surely, it's it's happening. Thanks another, so much for yeah. I wish me. you an, another five hundred thousand kilometers <laughs> on that goddamn Hyundai. <laughs> I, I'm I think I'd be afraid to tour the last five hundred thousand, but you know what? Thank you. I'll 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 let it know that I, I know, I, you it, know what? it loves it. I'm thrilled that you mentioned that you would be a little fearful in the last 500,000. I was thinking that you had no fear when it came to automobile uh, 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 wherewithal. So that's good. No, no, no. In all seriousness, thank you so much. (laughs) We're going to play going out on a a co-written tune with episode number two of Industry Tactics. Go back and listen to that one. My conversation with the one and only Dave Clark, who I know plays drums in your band, uh, often with uh, with with Kevin Bright and Victor Bateman. Yes. Uh, what a band! What a band! Oh my God, um, they're so awesome. <laughs> this is beautiful, little fool. Can you tell us a little bit about this? We'll go out on this tune. You bet. It's I I got um, I was watching the Great Gatsby movie, and there's a scene where Daisy, I think it's her name, is talking about her daughter, and she says, "I hope she grows up to be a beautiful little fool." And I like that, a beautiful little fool. I just like that phrase. And married it with a bunch of little things that were in my songwriting snippets, and okay. brought it, Dave put it on the table with Dave, and bam, this is what we got. And a guitar lick, and then we got this. Isn't it beautiful the way songs <laughs> come to life? This it is, is. Uh, well. Thank you so much. This is beautiful little fool from the 2018 release. Shake the love around you, Susie Vinnick. Thank you, Susie. Thank you, Rich.
Was that not a delightful saunter? Thank you so much, Susie Vinnick, again, for making time for the podcast. If you want to learn more about Susie's work, please go to susievinnick, V-I-N-N-I-C-K dot com and uh, enjoy that wonderful body of work. If you want to learn more about what I'm up to, please go to friendlyrich.com and check out tomorrow, episode six of our fantastic new comedy series, The Boringville Chronicles. Subscribe to that podcast wherever you fetch your podcasts. And here's a little advertisement to get to whet your whistle. And I'm loving the feedback that we're getting about this podcast. Please drive safely while you're listening to it. We do not have podcast insurance. And uh, thanks, everybody. Love you. We'll see you soon. Bye. They say if you're bored... It's cause you're boring. Welcome to Boringville. Join us on a seven-part adventure. It's season one of the Boringville Chronicles, written and produced by Friendly Rich and Corey McCallum. Available now wherever you fetch your podcasts. Search for and subscribe to the Boringville Chronicles.